Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, uh, episode 34. Uh, so, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any... The last episode was, like, like five weeks ago, so um, I don't quite remember everything that was covered on that episode, but um, as far as uh, updates to the show... Um, so, we have once again been nominated for a podcast award uh, in the uh, religion inspiration category. Um, so, uh, voting for that is going to be, I believe, uh, December 1st through December 15th. So, uh, there's a two-week window there, and you can go and vote every day. So, if you felt compelled to do that, then by all means, go ahead. Um, much like last year, I don't have much expectation of winning because, uh, my show uh, does not have a huge audience, um, which is probably, you know, may have something to do with the fact that five weeks go by in between episodes. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, but it was still very, it's, it's exciting to be nominated again. Um, and it would be especially unusual for, uh, me to win. So, uh, if, if you wanted to go ahead and, and vote for that, that would be great. By that, I mean me. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the first thing. Um, and I think, uh, I'll go ahead and launch into the episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, the film The Messenger, uh, directed by, uh, Oren Moverman. I don't know if that's Oren or Oren, but I'm going to say Oren. Oren Moverman, who, who co-wrote the screenplay with Alessandro Camon. Uh, and it was, uh, for those that listen to Battleship Pretension, it was, uh, my favorite movie of last year. Uh, or at least that's, that's what I declared it at the time. The more I think about it, the more I think maybe I jumped the gun on that. Um, I really love the movie, um, but I'm not sure if I, uh, upon reflection, I'm not sure if I like it more than, uh, than Up, uh, or The White Ribbon. So, I don't know, I'm not really sure where that ranks. I don't like to go back and uh, retroactively change things around. Um, so, as of right now, I just go ahead and say that The the Messenger is my favorite movie of 2009. Um, so, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. But, but before we get into the film itself, there are a couple of stories I wanted to tell you. And you, you might, I don't know, you, you might know how this will... Uh, enter into the story you might you might not it's kind of abstract but uh so years ago uh, i lived in chicago and i first started attending a church um that like a friend a friend of a friend of my mom's uh recommended and uh i had no i didn't know of any other uh churches in chicago not to imply there weren't any i just didn't know of any uh, specifically by name that somebody recommended. So I went to this one and uh it skewed a little older and and it was just you know everyone there was very nice to me but it was very difficult to be involved and quite frankly uh, I think I've told this <laughs> I've I've told the story of uh of certain members of this church and 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 their attitude towards film and towards my uh my ambitions in life. Uh so I've I've told that story on the show before but uh there was um there was a uh an inc- not an incident nothing terrible happened except of course uh, what this person said uh so right after George Harrison uh, of the Beatles right after he died um i believe he died on a friday or a saturday uh and then i went into church sunday morning and i went to the uh you know the sunday school class uh before the the the, the main service and uh, as i went in uh, a bunch of people were uh, were talking and, and milling around and and uh this one guy that quite frankly I, I i don't particularly care for uh didn't didn't really like i, I always thought his attitude he he always struck me as a little uh a little smug and a very and a little too sure of himself about everything um which i'm sure some people would say i am and so maybe i just didn't like that he had certain aspects of me in, in him but um anyway so he uh he had said uh hey guys i have an announcement to make and uh, I knew I probably wasn't going to like that. And uh, so everyone said, oh, uh, what is it? And he said, uh, George Harrison no longer believes in reincarnation. And uh, I-, I think he said that expecting everyone to laugh. Um, but uh, no one really did, said anything. And then if then there are a couple of polite chuckles. I use the word polite loosely because, of course... 
what he said is a terror is a really terrible thing. The implication, of course, being that George Harrison is now dead, and not being a Christian, being a guy who um, you know believed in reincarnation, all that. Um, he uh, that George Harrison is now uh, is now in hell and thus no longer believes in reincarnation. And uh, the fact that this guy said that and made a joke out of it uh, fascinated me. Um, it disgusted me, but it fascinated me. Um, the idea of hell is one that is not, uh, frankly, not very appealing to most Christians. Um, I myself still believe in it, and I think that there's been... Uh, it's something I've actually been preoccupied with uh, the last uh, few months. Um, and on if, if you want to actually look into the topic of hell... Um, and, uh, and I don't know, just look at it from an academic uh, standpoint. Uh, I would recommend um, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Great Divorce, uh, which really discusses heaven and hell in an interesting way um, and the idea of, of what hell is and that it's not merely the idea of God, uh, you know, um, just holding us, o- you know, holding us over a flame and just will let go at, at a moment's notice just because he's vengeful or anything like that. Uh, but that's not what this uh, that's not what this episode is about. But I do recommend reading that book. It's just if you like, uh, it's very well written and it's very it's so very British. And if you like C.S. Lewis, I think you'll enjoy it. But also, if you're just curious about the topic of hell, I I, I think you would enjoy it as well, um, and heaven for that matter. Um, but yeah, the 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 fact that this either way. Um, the topic of hell and the idea of damnation is something that is, to me, very serious. It certainly is not something that should be joked about. Um, and, uh, and of course, that leads to... I have a, um, a relative that I was speaking to recently. Um, it, it's not an uh, immediate family member. Um, and he was discussing uh, uh, another relative who uh, has been very, uh, who, who has, you know, rejected Christianity his whole life and all that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and so the, the first relative was discussing, d- discussing uh, the second relative, and, and he said, you know, I've just, I don't even try anymore. You know, he's going to believe in, you know, he's going to believe in this stuff sooner or later. So, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, I, and I do realize that it can be... Ex- exhausting or, or maybe tiring or something to tell somebody about these things and just be rejected over and over. I realize that. But uh, there was a certain degree of, again, like I mentioned with the guy uh, uh, who talked about George Harrison, um, there was a certain degree of, not necessarily smugness, but just, in this case, just resignation. Just this idea of like, well, he's going to believe in it sooner or later. It's like, yes, but at that point, you, like you're saying that realize as a way of saying when he's in hell he'll believe this and by then it's too late like why are you not more upset about this um and there's i don't know there just seems to be a certain degree of callousness uh in the christian community um when it comes to dealing with non-believers now how on earth what how does that relate to the messenger at all um well oddly enough um i just uh it, it's something that well, I'll, I'll go into the story of the messenger um, first. Uh, it's about, it, as I said, it's directed by uh, Oren Moverman, who co-wrote the script uh, with uh, Alessandro Camon. Um, it was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Woody Harrelson. Uh, it stars an actor named Ben Foster, who is a very good young actor. He was in uh, 310 to Yuma as Russell Crowe's right-hand man. Uh, and various other things. He was in a movie called Liberty Heights. He was in a movie called uh, Alpha Dog. He was the villain in Hostage. That's right. It was called Hostage. It took me a minute. It's a Bruce Willis film. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's about uh, this this young uh, staff sergeant uh, who is uh, you know a soldier in Iraq, and he. Because he's a hero of some sort, he he managed to like pull some of his guys out of danger, and uh, but he gets injured uh, in the process. He gets wounded, and so uh, so they bring him back uh, so that he can get you know his leg all fixed up and all these things. Um, and they decide they don't want to put him back into active duty, so instead they're going to do something different. They're going to 
he, he along with uh, this captain, played by Woody Harrelson, uh, he is going to be one of those guys who informs the next of kin uh, that, you know, their, their uh, son or daughter or brother or sister or husband or wife, whatever the case may be, um, has that is serving in Iraq has died and they are going to be the ones to inform them of that. And there is a specific procedure and the film is, is fairly episodic and it goes, you know, from one situation to another in which they inform the next of kin and each, each, uh, each situation is a little different. Of course, there's the running, there's the common thread of grief and disbelief and horror and, and, and all of these things. Um, and it's just a very emotionally sensitive film uh, because, you know, ostensibly it's about these two guys uh, and the way this particular job affects them. Uh, but, of course, and and there's two, and two great performances by Ben Foster and Woody Harrelson, but in the various uh, people that they talk to, you know, there's a lot of characters that are only in one scene. Uh, and those actors of course, are then called upon by the material to just display all kinds of complicated, difficult emotions, and uh, and they all deliver beautifully. Uh, it's just a really... I mean, if you're an actor or if you're interested in acting, that's something that, that you really enjoy watching. Um, the Messenger is, is just a heart-wrenching film um, in a lot of ways. Um, it's one of those films... It's... Uh, I think I, I think I might have d- talked about this when I discussed acting on the show. Uh, it's I feel like there's two different kinds of 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 movie uh, of a certain type of movie acting. Like w- there there are characters that uh, it's like oh okay well I need to cry for this scene, and they cry in a way that is something of a relief to us in the audience, you know, or they'll they'll yell in a way that is a relief to the audience. Um, and I don't know, almost as if they're giving they're giving voice to what we're thinking and our response to the film. But and those and and even though you're watching someone cry or you're watching somebody lash out or whatever the case may be, uh, there still seems to be a certain degree of disconnect, and you just feel I don't know. You still feel like you're watching a movie, and and it doesn't really. It's not. Di- it somehow it's not difficult to watch. Uh, then there's a movie like The Messenger in which you have characters dealing with very complex emotions because, I mean, of course there's the the next of kin that are being informed of these horrible things, but then there is also the impact that that's having on uh, our two protagonists and the emotions that they're feeling of every day getting up, going out, and r- basically ruining someone's life, or at, le- at the very least changing it, uh, for the for the worst, um, you know, doing that every day is you know what impact does that have on them? And uh, and Ben Foster, his character is you know kind of in a his character doesn't express much emotion, um, and uh, and so a lot of it is on Woody Harrelson's shoulders, whose character is very extroverted. Um, and very talkative and, and all of that. And he, and there's a reason that Woody Harrelson was nominated for an Academy Award for Supporting Actor, and that's because he just, he imbues this character with a lot of things that, in the hands of a lesser actor, or with the, with the, or if the character was written differently, he would be expressing this kind of emotion that, as I mentioned, it's, it's kind of, it's not, not easy to watch, but certainly isn't hard either. It's just, it's not challenging. You're like, oh wow, this is really, this is really heady, difficult stuff. It's it's not like that. It doesn't allow you uh, to kind of hold it at arm's length. It is awkward and it's messy and it's difficult, and you're not really sure what to think of it. You don't really know what you think of this guy. If you like him, you don't like him. You're not really sure what the situation is, and um, and so I don't know. Just the 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 rawness and vulnerability of uh, of all of the performances. Uh, are really what I respond to uh, with this film. Um, you know, there's... And, and what I like is that it's not... A, it, it also isn't a film where the director just, you know, takes a backseat, says, okay, we got a script, we got good actors, let's just uh, do whatever. The camera still tells the story, and there are moments where it's just all... You know, there are scenes where it's just all one shot, 
and where the camera happens to be placed tells us something about how the character is feeling in this particular moment. And the fact that it, ref- you know, in some scenes it refuses to cut because a cut, whether we know it or, or not, sometimes a cut can provide us a sense of relief. Like if we are, if we are uh, holding on somebody's face and we don't want to be there, a cut to somebody else's reaction gives us a little bit of relief, even if that person's reaction isn't pleasing either. Um, but, uh, but just holding on, on a character who is, you know, just going through all kinds of crazy uh, inner turmoil, just holding on that can really do wonders for how an audience responds to the material. And, uh, and, and uh, Oren Moverman really knows how to how to film this material that's the thing is that he he shoots it in a way that does not undercut it by you know by uh over editing or or laying on the music too thick or whatever um he does let the actors and let the characters dictate how he's going to shoot it but he also refuses to be just a casual observer he wants the camera to still be an active part of what we're seeing and so it's just so filmically I just I really love the movie and I really I really respond to it and I I highly recommend everybody see it if you can um as one would expect with material like this there's some you know there's some rough language and there's some sexuality uh in there uh you're not going to see much violence because of course this is all you know it's about soldiers but it doesn't it all takes place after the after this the our protagonist has gotten home from the war so uh, you will hear some rather disturbing descriptions of violence, but you will not uh, actually see any. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is it's difficult material. But I do recommend it's it's a film a lot like uh, it's a film a lot like uh, United ninety three uh, that came out in two thousand six, directed by Paul Greengrass, uh, in which it's in- it's very difficult to watch, and you may it may seem counterintuitive. You don't want to see this. Um, but once you do, it can be a, an incredibly rewarding uh, experience. So what does all that have to do with what I talked about uh, at the beginning of uh, the episode? Well, <clears throat> this uh, I'll talk about this and then I'll talk about the companion film. Uh, I wasn't really sure how to structure this episode because everything does kind of flow into each other. But... Uh, but what's interesting is that, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson's character, he's been doing this job for a while. He's been doing it for years, in fact. And, um, and there is a protocol of how you approach uh, the next of kin, how you deal with them. And, and he likes to stick to that. Whereas Ben Foster's character, uh, Will Montgomery, he... You know, he wants to stick by, he wants to be by the book as well, but he just, he can't help himself, and he frequently allows himself to get emotionally involved with the next of kin, uh, kind of mourning with them. In some cases, you know, in one extreme case, he, like, puts his arms around them, and and you're not supposed to touch them. You're supposed to be purely, you know, militant and professional and, uh, and all of that, and, you know, and, and... And uh, that seems very cold and callous, but the way uh, Woody Harrelson's character describes it, he says, we are not making this about us. It is not about who we are. And the minute we step in to put our arms around them, that is taking, that is us taking an active role. And that is, it's not our place. This is about them and their loss. It is not at all about us. And so that it's, it's a, it's kind of an interesting way to, to look at it because you know there is a certain degree of sympathy there but um but Ben Foster just can't help but just get involved with the with these characters in some way and ultimately he winds up getting romantically involved with a woman who lost her husband and and it's weird they're they're both looking he and this woman played I, I think wonderfully by Samantha Morton um they're both looking for something. They're both missing something and they're looking for something. Ben Foster came back only to find that his girlfriend had moved on and is now with this other guy. Samantha Morton has lost her husband and 
she seems not incredibly torn up about it, and you find out that it, that in fact they were having troubles and they're probably going to get divorced anyway. And then he was sent off to to war, and uh, and subsequently died. And so uh, so Ben Foster and this woman, he sees in her a longing for something that he can fill, and then of course he's longing for something in her and the two uh, meet up, but that never would have happened if Ben Foster hadn't become, hadn't become curious about what's going on with her and getting personally involved uh, the way he instinctively wants to with all of these people. Uh, And the reason I think that he, that he so badly wants to be involved is because as he describes, as I mentioned, his character is, is viewed as a hero he, because he's done these amazing things. But as he later goes on to describe, he actually uh, he did some good things, but in the process, he actually got other guys killed. You know, of course, he didn't mean to, and it certainly wasn't due to uh, negligence. Uh, but in one case, for example, he got a guy out of the line of fire and and like tucked him away under a car that then exploded. And so, ostensibly, he got that guy killed, um, when in fact it was just getting him out of one deadly situation and then putting him in another. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so he himself has lost men. You know, he's lost uh, fellow soldiers that he was in charge of. Uh, but then he's also been in battle, which it's, which a conversation comes out in that Woody Harrelson's character describes that he has not been in battle. He was in. Uh, Desert Storm, which in which the American soldiers saw very little, a- most of them saw very little action, uh, really none, and that causes a conflict between these two. But because Ben Foster's character has been there in every sense of the word, he's been there physically, he's been there emotionally, he can relate to the people that he's talking to. He's He can relate to the next of kin um, and their sense of loss. Um, and I don't know. And, and as strange as it sounds, uh, as I was thinking about, uh, when I, when I first saw the movie, it, it struck a chord in me, this idea of, of relating to someone and getting personally involved and, and, and finding something in yourself or maybe not even finding it. Cause that implies that you're looking for it, but it's just there something in yourself causing you to be sympathetic towards somebody else and wanting to be personally involved in all of that. And that, and it, and it, it took me a while to realize that I was thinking about the film from a spiritual point of view and from a, from a Christian point of view, of course. Uh, and that brings us to these two stories that I told you about the guy at the church who talked about George Harrison and my uh, relative who talked about another relative and the, and it would appear that the, the lack of sympathy uh, that they had for these people and just the, 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 the smugness that they seem to, to have about, well, I'm right and they're wrong. And it becomes, it, has, it seems to have become this ac- almost a purely academic thing as if like, aha, I've, you know, I've got the final say because you're in hell and I'm not. And failing to recognize what that even means and how terrible that actually is. And it seemed to me to stem from this idea of, of, and you'll find it all the time, you'll find it all the time in, in, in Christians who've probably been Christian a while. And, uh. And I don't like to, I, I really try not to bash other Christians because, you know, we all make mistakes. And I'm sure some people could look at me and say, well, look at how he's, you know, what he's doing with his spiritual life. Um, so I don't, I don't want it to be that. But I do know that once you've been Christian for a while, sometimes you forget what it was like to not be. You forget what it was like to, now, I know that some of my listeners are not Christian. And so I apologize if it, if it uh, sounds like I'm painting you with a broad brush, I'm speaking specifically for me and uh, many of my fellow Christians uh, whose stories I've heard. Um, But uh, for myself, of course I was raised in the church, but I didn't really know what it was to be a Christian. And as such, I didn't have a great deal of hope. And I was uh, very upset all the time. I was, you know, uh, I was very neurotic. I'm still neurotic, but I, I try not to let it control me. And I actually have something that 
is bigger than my neurosis as as large as it is um but uh you know i i try to remember what that was like and how frustrating that can be and you know i i hope that as i get older and as i'm as i mature in my christianity i hope that i don't forget that because once you forget what it was like it's easy to lose all compassion for other people and in fact even take a certain degree of glee in in that person's destruction whatever that destruction may be uh whether it be you know eventually the idea of hell or just ah they're being uh, they you reap what you sow like maybe somebody who has made a series of bad decisions winds up in prison or whatever and you know and rather than and there you know you can take a certain degree of not necessarily glee but satisfaction it's like all right they're paying the consequence for the thing that they did wrong there is justice in this world but at the same time if the consequence is a terrible thing that's that you know that's it's unfortunate and maybe someone didn't think things through or whatever and and there's that at, that idea of there but for the grace of god go go i but uh but yeah i i feel like those you know this relative of mine and then this guy in the church i feel like they just were no longer able to relate or made no no effort to relate to to people that are I'm so I'll use a Christianese term people that are lost um, and I'm sorry if that term uh, offends anybody who who does not subscribe to this belief but and it reminds me of the the difference between Woody Harrelson's character and Ben Foster's character uh, Woody Harrelson's character he he hasn't been in battle he has really the only job he's had in the military is the one he has now, which he still has a great deal of respect for and tries to do it well, but he doesn't have the history. And as such, he has no problem keeping the next of kin at arm's length. Whereas Ben Foster's character, he's been there. He's seen it. He remembers what it was like. And that, that memory, you know, is so active within him that it causes sympathy. It, it makes him want to to reach out and help those people, uh, however he can. Whether it mean whether it means a certain degree of consolation in the moment, which you know is in against the rules. Which that's where the that's by the way the, where the metaphor breaks down because in Christianity you should want to sympathize with someone and reach out to them even though they don't believe what you believe. So the metaphor is not not all there, but. But that's, I don't know, he just, he he does everything he can to to help these people as much as, as he can. And his ability to do that, and his desire to do that, I think, stems from something inside of him. And his, his refusal to just take his experiences in the past and just push them down and ignore them and act like they never happened, which is to jump back to Christianity, which is something that, that Christians often do is once we convert, we act like that stuff never happened. And in fact, it did happen. It's part of who we are. That doesn't necessarily make it good, but it can make it, it can help us to sympathize with people who maybe are in a similar situation. Um, however, now we come to the companion film, which is 1999's Bringing Out the Dead, Star uh, directed by Martin Scorsese and written by one of my favorite uh, writers, Paul Schrader, who wrote and directed Adam Resurrected, which I believe is episode 15 of More Than One Lesson. It's based on a novel by Joe Connolly, and uh, it stars Nicolas Cage. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, Nicolas Cage. Well, I guess I'll never see that. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, there was a time when he was uh, an incredibly risky uh, fascinating actor to watch. You watch stuff like Leaving Las Vegas and uh, Bringing Out the Dead and uh, Adaptation. There was a movie called Matchstick Men, which the movie's only okay, but he, I think he's very good in it. Um, you know, uh, you, you watch movies like that and you see, oh, he was an actor who was really willing to do interesting things with his roles. And his performance in Bringing Out the Dead is really no different. Uh, in it, he plays... Uh, uh, a paramedic, he, you know, a, a late night paramedic, who uh, once the, when the movie starts, he is on, he's been on a bad streak. Uh, he keeps losing people. He goes in to, uh, you know, try to try to save people, and he just keeps uh, he keeps losing them. Um, but uh, and we see 
over several nights, and and he's always and various other uh, partners. You know, pl- one is played by um, John Goodman, one is played by Ving Rhames, and one is played by Tom Sizemore. Each one is very different from the other, and each one is kind of kind of an extension of Nicolas Cage's character. And he is just a he's just an emotional wreck, and he starts to and of course he he when he is able to save someone's life of course i mean it's a wonderful feeling he it's ecstatic he feels ecstatic you know it's like a drug of some sort um but of course the flip side of that is when he loses someone which he has been lately he just hates himself he's crushed you know he he invests so much of himself and and you I, i'm sure you can see where i'm headed with this he invests so much of himself in saving these people that if they aren't, then who is he? It's it's literally how he defines himself, and and uh, before well and before I talk about uh, the thematic and element and how it fits in with what we're talking about, I will say that uh, Bringing Out the Dead is is to me a wonderful film. A lot of it's uh, people would uh, people would probably call it a minor Scorsese. Um, but uh, it it's definitely a Scorsese film. It's got all the visual flair that one comes to expect from him, uh, and it's just a just a really intense, strange, funny movie. There's a lot going on with it. A lot of great performances, uh, and it's just this really it's it's just uh, it's interesting to me because there are movies that seem like the quintessential Scorsese film, you know. Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, uh, Casino, The Departed. You know, there are some that just definitely seem like his kind of thing. Then every once in a while, he'll crank out a King of Comedy or a, or a Last Temptation of Christ or Bringing Out the Dead or, you know, Kundun or any of these films. And you're just like, wait, who directed that? Martin Scorsese, the guy that did Mean Streets? Really? Okay. Um but he still brings his his uh his style to these films and and one thing that i think he's particularly good at is as I, as i've mentioned with uh with the messenger only to a much greater extreme he he tries to evoke the character's emotions visually and uh and as i said that's kind of what uh what Orrin Moverman does with the messenger the only difference is that uh, Scorsese's characters are often crazy uh, or just incredibly aggressive or there's something terrible going on and he literally tries to put them in their mental state uh, which can be very disorienting especially in a film like Bringing Out the Dead where the character doesn't sleep uh, I think he does drugs himself uh, it's been a while since I've seen it and is just racked with guilt and so, of course, why wouldn't we want to get into his mind? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just a really, just a really fascinating film, uh, and a wonderful performance by Nicolas Cage. Certainly one of his best, I think. And uh, if not his best, I really like Leaving Las Vegas, but I think I might like his performance in this more. It is kind of an over-the-top performance, as one would expect, uh, but the character himself is over-the-top. You know, it's it's like saying that, uh, to bring up, you know, Scorsese, it's like saying that De Niro's over-the-top in uh, Taxi Driver. Um, he is, but that's only because that's what the character requires. Um, so I highly recommend the film if you haven't seen it. Uh, that one, of course, also has a lot of uh, rough content, drug use, violence, language, lots of stuff. Um, and it's also just very, very intense. But uh, So in that film, we have a character who defines himself by his ability to save other people. And when that doesn't happen, then he's out of ideas. And he just he wants to quit. He loses sleep. He hates himself. He, he literally is, is like haunted by the ghosts of the people that he's lost. You know, a lot of really extreme things with, of course, extreme imagery. Um, and this is where, you know, you kind of feel like this, this is where um, Ben Foster's character could wind up if he's not careful. And this is where something, this is where Christians themselves uh, often wind up when, when, dealing with with non-christians and trying to you know share the gospel and all that sort of thing is they start to view people as a cause they start to uh literally literally define themselves by their quote-unquote ability to convert someone you know um 
and it becomes more a function of, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is all I, you know, it's just, they stop seeing people as people and stop seeing their individual needs. They just see that person's non-Christian. I need to convert them. I need to do this. I need to do this. Um, and the focus is, is very much on themselves and their own abilities and what they can do. Um, and of course, uh, anybody that's been Christian uh, for a while knows that we, well, we can, we don't do anything. We might, prov- you know, we might provide information, but ultimately, you know, it's it's God working that works on a person's heart and reveals things to people and all these other things. Um, and so, you know, we need to be careful. We certainly want to take an interest in people, and we want to share this great thing with them. But we need to be careful that we don't, as Woody Harrelson says in The Messenger, we don't make it about us and this amazing thing that we can do. Um, we need to make it about them. You know, that's what that's what Jesus always did. He always saw what a person's specific needs were, and it was really about uh, quality uh, over quantity. Of course, I know that ideally he would let, and in some cases, like you know, the feeding of of the five thousand and all that, it was about numbers, but Usually he, you know, he, he liked to sit down and actually have a conversation with someone and actually meet them where they are. And that's what we need to do. And that first requires us sympathizing with someone and realizing what's going on in their life and actually listening to them. Um, and not just listening for the certain, the certain key words like, oh, he said this. Okay, time for me to share the gospel. Oh, he said that. Time for me to share the gospel. Um, Because after a while, you could just seem like a salesman and not a person. Um, And, uh, but then, of course, there are some people for whom they just aren't interested at all. It's like, well, no one's going to, no one's going to take what I have to say seriously. No one's going to like what I have to say. So whatever, I'll leave them to their own devices and then, you know, they'll believe in this eventually when it's too late and then I'll have the last laugh or whatever. Um, and I think it's interesting. I, there's a, there's a video out there with, uh, Penn Jillette of, uh, Penn and Teller, uh, which is a, a comedy, um, you know, a comedy magic team. And, uh, and he's a, an avowed atheist. He's very outspoken about it. Um, and uh, and he does, but he does this. He, he did this video. It's like a video diary, like a like a video blog, um, in which he tells a story about a man who, after one of his shows, uh, gives him a Bible, like a little pocket New Testament thing. And you expect Penn to say, "Oh, this is such a you know, this is such crap." What this guy was doing, you know, I don't believe it. Whatever. Um, and Penn certainly did not believe, he certainly doesn't believe these things, but, uh, but he said he was actually very touched that the guy took the time to do this. Um, he took the time to, to actually, I mean, he went and saw Penn Jillette's show. I think he wound up seeing it again. And on the second night, that's when he brought the, brought the Bible to him after the show. Um, and Penn was very touched and he, he said, you know, he said, if you actually believe something and you believe that it will benefit a person, uh, then why would you not tell them about it? And more specifically, if you think that that person not believing this is going to result in them, you know, going to hell or, or whatever. And I remember he phrases it a certain way. He says, how much must you hate a person to not tell them this thing that will say that will save them? And they may not accept it, but of course, at the very least, not even starting to tell them about it. Um, and then he, he makes an analogy that, oddly enough, I've heard in church quite a bit, which is if there's someone standing in the middle of the road and a truck is bearing down on them and you're standing on the side of the road and you see the truck but the person doesn't and you yell, hey, there's a truck coming and they don't pay attention and then you yell, hey, there's a truck coming and they don't pay attention, he said, you know, there's only a certain amount of time or, or a certain number of times that you'll say it before you actually tackle them. And get them out of the way. And 
Now, I'm not sure what the philosophical equivalent of tackling someone is, uh, because that sounds maybe a little too forceful. But the idea is that, you know, this, this, the, the gospel, the, it is called good news. And why would you not want to spread good news? It might be because you're scared. It might be because you've been burned by people and, and you're afraid that somebody is going to make you feel bad or going to call you all kinds of names. Uh, I've been called all kinds of names by people and, uh, it is not pleasant admittedly. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring up this, uh, this verse here. It's uh second Corinthians five twenty, and uh, five twenty one, and says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, the first part there is that we are Christ's ambassadors. And we seem to forget that. We, we act as though we're, you know, we're citizens of this, uh, you know, I'll throw some more Christianese out there. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, uh, and we act as though there is no responsibility there. But that's not the case. We are ambassadors. An ambassador goes to somebody else's country, and they don't necessarily tell them how to run things, but they get the lay. But if anything, they get the lay of the land. They watch. They observe. They sympathize. They find out what this other country is about. Not with the intention of attacking it. Not with the intention of overthrowing their government. But with the intention of starting a conversation with them. That's what an ambassador does, and that's what we're called to do: uh, is just to spread the good news. What somebody does with it. You know, that's not up to us. We've done our part, you know, and it's, I don't know. And that, and that's, I realize that I've really gone kind of off the, you know, kind of off the path as far as uh, these movies are concerned. But, you know, if you want to see, if you literally want to see um, visual representations of somebody, uh, of people that have a message to convey, or they have a service to provide for someone else that they don't know and how that affects them and what that means to them and how it, how it touches them personally and how that brings and what they bring of themselves to the situation you know watch the messenger but then if you in the court you know in the case of of sharing the gospel um if you want to see what it looks like when someone makes makes it only about them and what they have to say and the fact that, oh, I, you know, I'm able to convert this person or, oh, oh, I'm not. You watch Bringing Out the Dead and you realize that it's not about, it's not about us and what we're able to do. It's just about us doing everything that we can. And, you know, and just, and if you want to know what that looks like, you know, because because it's a very it's a very vague term. Oh, doing everything I can. Well, thanks, Tyler. That that couldn't be more vague. Um, if you want a model, of course, you just look at you just look at Jesus and you see how he related to people. He very he very seldom yelled at people. He always sat and listened patiently. But he wouldn't merely listen and then move away. He would listen to what this person needed or in some cases what they thought they needed and then he would you know he would tell them exactly what he thought they should do in some cases they did in some cases they didn't in some cases somebody needed to be healed and he would heal them um but in other cases you know someone said hey uh, what do i you know what does it take for me to be saved and he said well you got to get rid of all your possessions and the person's like i don't want to do that you know and it's like okay well that's that's what it takes and I'm not going to get all your get rid of all your possessions for you, but I will tell you that that's what it needs to be. Um, so he was he was uncompromising, um, but he met people where they were at. So uh, that's what we can, what we can get out of these films. I realize it is very this is all very conceptual, um, and uh, and I did want to say by the way uh, because I do know that my show has a, a, a huge. Uh, Huge is a strong word. Um, it it has a fairly large uh, atheist agnostic uh, listenership. In fact, I think there might be more atheist agnostics uh, listening than uh, Christians, which is bothersome to me. But whatever. Um, I did want to put out uh, something for uh, atheist listeners 
uh, which is, I know you've probably been burned before by someone sharing the the gospel. Someone probably was too forceful. Someone was probably too judgmental. Um, and I apologize for those people. They should not have been like that. Uh, and it's anyone's guess as to why they were like that. Maybe they were, maybe it was just an off day. Um, but what I will say is that chances are, uh, when some, when a Christian shares the gospel with you and tells you these things, chances are it's not from a place of, all right, got one more or, Hey, look how awesome I am. Or I want you to just think like I think, you know, which is something that everybody spiritual or otherwise political, whatever, you know, everybody falls into that trap of just, it's like, why can't you just be like me? Um, their reason for sharing the gospel is probably not any of those things. It probably does come from a genuine love for you, and it probably comes from them having listened to what you have talked about needing in your life or what you feel like you're missing, whatever that might be, and them recognizing the hope that they have in their own lives and they want to extend it to you. Um, I know that there is a lot, you know, I know that there are a lot of people out there that say that it's like, hey, we should just, let's just not talk about this stuff. But frankly, you know, you're listening to this show. This is a movie podcast, theoretically. I know that there's a lot of, a lot of religion stuff in this episode, certainly. Um, but you like movies. When you see a movie you love and that touched you really on a deep level you tell somebody about it because you want them to get the same benefit, you know, and that's chances are that's what it is. And so, uh, I just, I just want to, I just want to put that out there because I know that, and I, and I know, and I know that there are plenty that have gotten it wrong. And I just hope that you don't hold that against the rest of us who are trying and often failing, but, uh, trying to, to do it, the way you're supposed to do it. But, um, anyway, and actually, uh, you know, I'll quote Pendulette again. He says, you know, I don't, he said, I don't respect somebody who doesn't proselytize, which is literally, uh, someone who believes that what they think is right. And more specifically, what they think is beneficial, what they think can actually help someone. And if they keep it to themselves, then, you know, what good are they, you know, and, and I, it's just, it's an interesting video. I actually have it on the website and I would recommend watching it, um, along with watching the messenger and bringing out their debt and bringing out the dead. They're both wonderful films, uh, that I, I highly recommend, uh, not merely for the reason, you know, the thematic reasons that I've discussed here, but also just because they're, I mean, they are very touching, not in, not in a, in an incredibly Hollywood way, of course, where it's just like, oh, what a touching film. You know, everyone winds up happy at the end and there's no offensive language. It's not that. It's raw and it's difficult, but by the end of it, you feel like you really have met some... You, you've really seen these people and talked to these people and, and you really felt like you've... I don't know, that you've really heard out uh, these characters and... And you know what's going on with them, and and you've engaged with them, um, which to me is what a great film does. Um, there are plenty of films that don't aspire to that, uh, but those usually aren't my favorite films, oddly enough. But uh, okay, so that's that episode. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, I will remind everybody: if you enjoyed it, why not go over and uh, vote for me in the podcast awards? Uh, in the religion category, you just uh, click on uh, more than one lesson. Uh, you can vote once a day, um, and it will be between December 1st and December 15th. And uh, let's try and win this thing. I don't expect us to, but hey, who knows? Um, of course, uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can go to the website, morethanonelesson.com. Uh, we do have a blog that is not really updated that much. Uh, I, uh, I'm writing something else right now. I'm, I'm writing a, a larger thing. So, uh, anytime that I have the opportunity to write, uh, I'm writing that I'm not writing blogs. 
and then friend of the show Jason Egan also has not been writing blogs because he's been writing other things. Uh, so really the only person we have blogging right now is Josh, uh, Josh Long, uh, and he is very busy. So the blog does not get updated very often. The most recent entry, I believe, is uh, is Josh talking about uh, The English Patient, uh, which it's an interesting article to read because he really does not like that film. But uh, but yeah, so... Um, and then you can watch the trailers for uh, for these two... Excuse me, for these two films, uh, The Messenger and Bringing Out the Dead. You can watch those on the website. You can follow me at Twitter. It's uh, twitter.com slash morelessons. Uh, and hey, if you like the show, why not head over to iTunes and write a nice review? If you don't like the show, how about this? Don't write a negative review. I'm really not in the mood. Um, but whatever, whatever you want to do is fine. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, I'll get you next time. Bye.